Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 8, Episode 33. In the last episode, I covered a multitude of people and places, all found in Judges 7. If you missed that episode, or if you simply want the list of people and places, go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm picking up in the text of Chapter 8, as it sets the table for the people and places to come, and a few I've already covered. And with that, let's get started. Judges chapter 8 picks up where the Ephraimites address Gideon, complaining that they were late to be asked to fight the Midianites. They told Gideon, What have you done to us, not to call us when you went to fight against the Midianites? And they unbraided him violently, unbraiding meaning a harsh scolding. Gideon replied, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God has given into your hands the captains of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. What have I been able to do in comparison with you? After he said this, their anger against him subsided. Then Gideon and the three hundred warriors came to the Jordan River and crossed it. Exhausted and famished from fighting and chasing the Midianite kings Zeba and Zalmunna, he asked the people Succoth for bread, but they refused. The leaders of the town asked Gideon, Do you already have in your possession the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna? Gideon easily comprehended the underlying message. They didn't expect him to defeat the Midianites. And he was angered, telling the people of Succoth that when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, I will trample your flesh on the thorns of the wilderness and on briars. From there, he went up to Peñol, also asking them for food. Their reply was similar, as was his response, this time telling the townsfolk that he would return to tear down their tower. He eventually makes it to the Midianites, finding the kings Zeba and Zalmunna in Karkur, with what remained of their army, about 15,000 men. We're also told that so far, about 120,000 Midianite warriors had fallen, presumably killed, but maybe injured. Recall that just a few passages earlier in the chapter, Gideon still had all of his 300 soldiers. Gideon and his men marched via the caravan route east of Noba in Jagbiha and attacked the army a force that was said to be off its guard. This Noba will be the next place I cover. As for the army of Midian, they were probably resting and unprepared. The two Midianite kings, Zeba and Zalmunna, fled with Gideon et al. giving pursuit. The kings were finally caught, which threw their army into a panic. We're not told what that meant or what happened to the army, but in my mind's eye, The army scattered like dust in the desert winds. And I'm going to take a minute to cover the place Noba. In the text, Noba is mentioned essentially two different times. The first was a Manassite leader founded Numbers 32 that conquered Kenneth, a city in Bashan, so west of the Jordan. After the small region was captured, the man Noba renamed the place after himself which, of course, gets us to the place found in Judges. The text tells us it was on the caravan route, so a trade route, 
east of Succoth, in the region of Jogbeha. Karkur is mentioned as being positioned further east. It was at Noba that the Midianite kings Zeba and Zalmunna encamped with their armies. Gideon went westward, beyond Noba and Jogbeha, and along the caravan route, defeated their armies, then captured the two kings. As for the city, it's thought to be a stone's throw from the modern Amman, Jordan, though the exact site has yet to be uncovered. And that's the little known about it. As for Jagbiha, there is nothing in the outside record, and this and a mention in Numbers are the only places it's found. Back to the text and Gideon's victories, then revenge. Gideon then began making his way home via the ascent of Heres, another place I'll pause at so I can quickly cover, and since so little is known about it, it'll take less than a minute. The ascent of Heres was a place along the route when Gideon returned to Succoth after defeating the Midianite kings Zeba and Zalmunna. Elsewhere in Judges and Isaiah, it's called Har Heres, or Mount Heres, along with the city of Heres, or the city of the sun. The general thinking is that it was a city of Dan, near Mount Ephraim, potentially the same place as Mount Jerim. And that's it. Obscure enough, it took less than a minute. While en route, he caught a young man who happened to be from Succoth. Gideon questioned him, asking for the names of the officials and elders of Succoth. He ended up with a list 77 names long, and with that, he headed to Succoth to confront the same men who had refused his request for food just a short time earlier. When he got there, he found the officials and elders. Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me, saying, Do you already have in your possession the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna, that we should give bread to your troops who are exhausted? Cue the tone change. Gideon, backed by the three hundred, took the elders of the city in thorns and briars and proceeded to trample the people. I'm sure that phrase and method of execution meant more to the people at the time. To me, at least, it just seems rather odd, but certainly painful. Next, they made their way to Penuel, where the city's tower was torn down. Oh, and the men there were executed, too. Throughout all of this, the two Midianite kings were still alive, somehow managing to outlive the men of Succoth and Peniel. That was about to change. Gideon turned his sights on them, asking, What about the men whom you killed at Tabor? Recall earlier in Judges, it was at Mount Tabor that the battle between the Israelite army under the leadership of Barak, and the army of the Canaanite king of Hazor, King Jabin, commanded by Sisera. It was here that the battle between these forces took place. Though this may not have been the same battle as Gideon was referring to, as the first one occurred up to 50 years earlier. Gideon may have been referring to something else entirely. In the New Testament, Mount Tabor is also presented as the location of the transfiguration of Jesus. Back in the story of Gideon, the kings answered, As you are, so were they. Every one of them, they resembled the sons of a king. 
So they were trying to die with their heads held high. At least, that's my interpretation. Gideon was quick to answer. They were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not kill you. But they didn't, so he wouldn't. Gideon called out for his oldest son, Jether, but he was still young enough to be described as a boy. Gideon commanded his son to kill the kings, but out of fear he wouldn't. I'll get to what's known about Jether in the next episode. The two kings told Gideon, You come and kill us. So he did, then took the crescents from the necks of their camels. There's a little nugget in here. Camels, not horse-drawn chariots. Make of that what you will. It likely indicated they were from the south, perhaps Arabia, though there's nothing in the text that provides any sort of directional indication. And that was that about the victory, perhaps the glory days for Gideon, but his story isn't over. After this, the Israelites went to Gideon with an ask, Rule over us, you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us out of the hand of Midian. Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. But he wasn't done. Gideon had his own request. In short, asking for a slice of all the booty the men had captured as part of their victory. One golden earring from each of the men. The text tells us parenthetically that the enemy were Ishmaelites which apparently explained why they wore golden earrings. Yet another reference that meant more then than it does to us. The men willingly gave as Gideon had asked, throwing the earrings onto a garment laying on the ground. So many were given that it weighed 1,700 shekels, about 43 pounds, 19 kilograms. And unless the Ishmaelites wore really large earrings, meaning about two ounces, 63 grams each, this means it was more than just the 300 that made the offering. Then again, two ounces, while a really large earring, isn't outside the realm of possibility. That too, you can make of what you want. There were a few other things, crescents, pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian along with the previously mentioned camel collars. Gideon took some, or all of this gold, and fashioned an ephod, which was then placed in his hometown of Ophrah. Then, a turn. The text records that all of Israel prostituted themselves to the ephod there. It was also a snare to Gideon and to his family. Despite this unfortunate turn, the land had 40 years of rest, But we're not quite done with the chapter as it wraps up with the narrative of Gideon's final years. Jerababel, Gideon's alternate name, the son of Joash, went to live in his own house. He had 70 sons with as many wives. Then a curious statement. His sons were his own offspring and were from his wives. There's a reason for this, and it's found in the next sentence. His concubine who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he named him Abimelech. In here are a few assumptions and implications. 
Gideon was involved enough with the concubine to have named his son, but also Abimelech likely wasn't included in the census of 70. It's said Gideon died at a good old age. Granted, we're not told how old he was. He was buried in his father's tomb, located in the town of Ophrah, a town controlled by his extended family, the Abizarites. As soon as Gideon died, the Israelites relapsed, bowing to the various Baals, eventually making a specific Baal, Baal Beareth, their god. They did not remember the Lord, their God, who had consistently rescued them from all of their enemies. And they were not loyal to the house of Gideon in return for all the good that he had done for Israel. That's Judges chapter 8, and a good stopping point for this week's episode. Join me next week when I'll lead off with Gideon's eldest son, Jether. You don't want to miss it. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. This week, help others to find the podcast by leaving a positive review on iTunes. You can find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast is three separate words. Once there... Be sure to like the page so that it's easier to find later. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released and you don't miss out. Thanks for listening and have a great week.